Instead, let us look to the future. Let us talk to Professor uh, Anand Menon, who's Professor of European Politics and Director of UK in a Changing Europe. Because as I say, they've produced a report this morning, which is fascinating in and of itself. I haven't had a chance to read all of it, but it talks about the left-right divide. It talks about misperceptions about Brexit. It talks about immigration. It talks about whether or not the Conservative Party will survive, whether Labour uh, has a dilemma which can never be solved. It's great stuff. And I tell you what, this is possibly one of the best documents I think I've ever seen talking about the subject that has completely consumed this country for the last two and a half years. Let's say good morning to Professor Menon. Professor, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Morning to you. Thanks for the nice introduction. Listen, I think this is a fantastic... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not often prone to uh, over-praising people, as, as, as you may or may not know, but this is really an interesting work, I have to say, because it is the, the subject which has totally and utterly, you know, dominated everything for the last two and a half years. And I think it's now worth asking the question, how do we get out of this? Well, I mean, there's the narrow question about that, which is to do with the deal. But the broader question is, things are changing so fast in this country. Yeah. To be fair, uh, they were changing before that. I mean, one of the things the report points out is that the sort of changing social basis of politics was something that was apparent if you looked for it before mm. the referendum, but has become absolutely abundantly clear since. And I think everyone is playing catch-up. One of the reasons why you find, for instance, the parties are being very slow to put forward concrete policies, because one of the things about Brexit is no one's talking about policy anymore, right. is because they're very, very uncertain about who their voter base is now. You know, do the, do the, does the Labour Party concentrate on winning back Mansfield or holding on to Kensington? And that will shape what they do, and they're just not certain. Right. Well, that's the other fascinating thing. And when I said, how do we get out of it? I actually did mean not necessarily the political solution. I meant the kind of social solution, if you like, because you quite rightly point to the various polarizations that have happened over time and the way that we are now incapable, it would seem, of arguing about anything uh, without bringing Brexit into it. I mean, we were having a conversation yesterday about something completely different and suddenly Brexit became a part of the conversation. And you just go, well, hang on a minute. You know, can we not actually go back to where we were, where people could have differences of opinion um, without actually falling out because you don't agree? That's the thing that worries me the most. Well, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, one of the most remarkable sort of stats from this report is the fact that only around 6% of the population don't feel that they have either a leave or remain political identity. Yeah. So a lot of the country has been sucked into the Brexit debate. And the second thing is, it's a very, very polarising sort of identity. So leavers and remainers have very negative opinions of each other. Mm. And your leave or remain identity doesn't just shape what you think about the future, with leavers being positive about Brexit, remainers being negative, but it shapes your view of the present. So leavers think the economy is doing quite well, remainers think the economy is doing very badly. So yeah. even when it comes to seeing what's happening now, your priors about leave or remain are shaping it. So we're becoming increasingly divided and it's increasingly hard to talk over that division. Yeah, indeed. And I mean, we hear an awful, an awful lot about the term fake news. It kind of started off in America, but you hear politicians in this country using it now as well. And I think there is a genuine kind of uh, problem where people don't know where the news is. They don't know where uh, the right sources are. They don't know who to trust. I think there's a huge swathe of people now who've given up entirely uh, on the BBC and, and on mainstream media outlets like this one. Um, and they instead just spend their time watching things on YouTube and believing everything they see. Well, I think there is an element of truth in that, but I'd say two things that come out from the report. Firstly, we've got a really good section in it that looks at the evidence on whether leavers were less well informed than remainers and the answer is no mm. uh, there is nothing to this sort of notion that leavers didn't know what the, what brexit meant and so voted for it absolutely not both sides seem to have known just about the same yeah. but the second interesting thing is that uh 
people don't change their minds very often. That there's a lot of misperception on all sides out there, and actually we're not very good at talking to people who disagree with us. We tend to patronise. So, you know, a lot of the Remain rhetoric around Brexit has been, you were duped, so you should have a chance to get it right, and that's not going to change anyone's mind. No, indeed. And I mean, interesting as well that you look at the kind of the future and what it holds for both the main parties, Labour and Conservative, because they both have the same problem in a way, albeit a slightly different problem that, that each one has. But, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the, the polarisation inside the party uh, is, is, is there for all to see. Yeah, absolutely. And particularly in both parties, an increasing polarisation between the membership and MPs. The members are the zealots, if you like. So staggeringly high proportions. I think, you know, 50 odd percent of Tories are very happy with that. The members are very happy with no deal. Far fewer later Tory MPs are happy with no deal. And that's going to be a problem down the line is keeping these parties together. It's played part. Labour and the Tories are victims of their own success. If you go back to the 2017 election, they got, what, 82% of the vote between them. So they're now massive parties and very, very broad churches. And the thing about broad churches, it's quite hard to keep it together. Mm. And what about the kind of um, uh, the, the likelihood that we are becoming less than a two-party state, if you like? I mean, could it be that this whole subject will split both parties into more than, you know, two entities, if you like, and we will end up having a much broader representation of parties as such? Well, it's certainly possible. I mean, if you think about it, if Theresa May decides that her way to get Brexit through is to adopt a customs union and a single market, Mm. there's a real danger that the Brexit wing of her party will split off. But what is interesting is for all the talk about Brexit, if you watch MPs in the House of Commons, like I know you do, I mean, it was very interesting when the confidence vote happened last week, the absolute relish with which people like Anna Soubry found themselves being cheered by their own side again, having spent, you know, two years post-Brexit being the enemy of the people and being disliked by her colleagues. The tribal reflex amongst MPs is quite strong, I think. Yes. And what about the future of Parliament itself? Because, again, you know, you and I, as observers of these matters, are seeing probably uh, confidence at an all-time low in the institution of Parliament, particularly as people like Dominic Grieve seek to kind of derail the process and, and make it their own, if you like. Well, I, the one thing that people do seem to agree on in this is a lack of faith in politicians. Everyone politicians are making a mess about this. And actually, I mean, as a purely personal view, when I look at Parliament, my heart sinks with all the sort of odd language that they use to talk about each other and all the costumes. I think Parliament needs to be a lot more accessible and do a lot more to make themselves comprehensible to people turning on to watch it on the telly, because a lot more people are watching the Parliament channel and things like that now, because Mm. politics is actually quite interesting. Oh, for sure. I mean, last week, our ratings were through the roof for Talk Radio because we were down there, because we were the only radio station doing that particular job. You know, we were getting loads and loads of people listening for the first time, and hopefully uh, they continue to listen to us. And, and, you know, it is a good thing for people to become engaged, but I also hear a lot of the time, uh, Anand, that people say, if they reverse this Brexit, if they uh, try and have another referendum, if they, for some reason, decide uh, to kick it into the long grass and extend Article 50, will never vote again. I don't understand that point of view, but, but you can see that people are angry. Well, yeah, but I think what you've got here, I mean, one of the things that people forget about the referendum is it was a massively mobilising political event. And I think something like 2.8 million people who didn't bother to vote in the 2015 general election voted in the 2016 mm. referendum. And most of those people voted leave. And mm. these were people who who 
fallen out of politics. They sort of abstained in, in general elections. And I think that what those people are saying is we voted because we were told that this was a one moment when we don't have first past the post where our vote will really count. If it turns out that the establishment, as they like to call them, now turn around and say, actually, you have to vote again because we don't like the answer you gave, you can understand why a lot of those people are going to feel slightly betrayed. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And as far as the whole social cohesion argument, I mean, The Guardian's got a piece this morning uh, quoting Theresa May saying that, uh, you know, if there was to be a second vote uh, or another vote, as I prefer to call it, uh, there is a threat to social cohesion. Are you concerned about that? Does, does that get covered in your report? Well, I mean, we do talk about the levels of division. And actually, there is a piece by John Curtis of what, what the public think about the idea of a second referendum. I take these sort of predictions of doom and gloom, social cohesion. Some people have talked about violence with a pinch of salt. I don't think that's the issue. The issue is what will it do to faith in our political establishment if they are seen to have a rerun of a vote that 17.4 million people voted, as many people in Westminster see it, the wrong way in? Yeah, no, right. One of the problems of perception is the fact that the majority of MPs voted Remain, and I think that's why there's so much distrust amongst re uh, leavers for the political establishment. That is the problem, yeah. And finally, um, uh, Anand, what's your own kind of thesis as to what will happen? My, I, I'll give you mine first so, so that I can tell you this is not a trapdoor of any kind. I said yesterday <laughs> I think that basically uh, she will get uh, voted down again next Tuesday, but by a much smaller margin than the first time, which was 230, and then she'll come back a third time uh, to the Parliament, and I think she'll get a deal through there are definitely signs of that sort of um you know that game kind of coming to an end don't you think well i mean i'm gonna be really dull and agree with you because i think <laughs> you know what she did yesterday in parliament was quite clever she said we're going to consult the devolves and she's looking at plaid cymru saying do you want to come around to this vote or not because yeah. i think there's a wobble there she's saying we'll protect workers rights she's looking at some labor waverers hoping that she can win them round. you've got positive rhetoric coming from people like jacob reesmock who are now saying if there's a choice between Remain and Theresa May's deal, I'll take Theresa May's deal. And here, you know, the amendment that Yvette Cooper has proposed that says if we don't get some sort of agreement on this deal by a certain date in February, then we delay Article 50. I think that will strike terror into the heart of the Brexiters and will ultimately help the Prime Minister. So I yeah. think you're right. She'll lose next Tuesday. She'll lose by fewer votes. She'll go back to Brussels. She'll get some concessions, token concessions, but concessions, mm. come back. And those concessions, with her new language as well, will serve as a fig leaf to allow possibly enough MPs to come over to her side for it to go through on the third or maybe even the fourth time of trying. Yeah, and then people can turn to your report, which, as I said earlier, is, is, a, is a brilliantly timed report, but also really, really interesting. And, and find out where we... All day, you? Well, I, well, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed. You know, I, I, I say, I don't know why I'm so impressed, but maybe I just got up on the right side of the bed this morning. But, you know, the thing is, is it's a, it's a, it's a brilliantly timed report because it then is time, once we get this thing out of the way, to sort of heal the nation. And that sounds a bit corny, but we really need to. Well, I think that's absolutely true. One of the things that Brexit has done is sucks all the air out of every other yeah. issue in politics. And there are big issues in politics to do with how divided we are, inequality, north-south divide, that we really need to be thinking about. Because those, for me, were some of the key lessons we learned from the referendum. Yes, absolutely right. Well, Professor, listen, thank you very much indeed. Where can people get their hands on this? If they, I've tweeted it out, but where else can they get it? Well, the website is www.ukandeu.ac.uk. Okay, brilliant stuff. Professor Anand Menon, uh, the author, uh, well, one of the authors of this report, Professor of Economic of European Politics, Director of UK in a Changing Europe. Thank you very much indeed. We've